into Matthew. Uh, as I mentioned last week, it was a sermon that needed to be an hour and 20 minutes, and I just thought that you would like that. So uh, I broke this lesson in half as we're in uh, Matthew chapter 8, because uh, really this chapter is all about having the faith to follow. And there are these four scenes that are given to us. Uh, last week, we looked at two of those scenes that were prepared uh, for us. We have this great crowd that is following Jesus. He's come down from doing the Sermon on the Mount. Huge crowds are following him. And uh, he is uh, essentially doing what we would be so surprised and would probably never do, is in seeing the crowds, he begins to challenge them to see if they're really going to be followers of him. Uh, the scriptures even call them disciples. And yet as one person comes to Jesus and says, I'll follow you wherever you want to go, Jesus responds, well, you understand that's an uncomfortable thing to do. You understand that foxes have holes and birds have nests and you will never read in the scriptures about Jesus going home, going to his house, sleeping in a bed, any of those kinds of things. He's, he's all over the place as he goes about teaching and so it's going to be tough to follow him. It's going to be uncomfortable. That leads to another person who comes up to Jesus and says, I'll follow you, uh, but just... I'll catch up with you soon. Uh, let me bury my father. Just, just let me delay a little bit. And then I'll catch up to you and follow you. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Not going to accept delays. Following needs to be immediate and not put it off to another time. And this idea of having the faith to follow now continues in these two miraculous events that, that take place now. As was just read for us in verse 23, now they get into the boat. Remember, Jesus is commanded in verse 18 to get the boat ready. We're going to go to the other side of the sea. And that's when people start saying, hey, we're going to come. We're going to come. And Jesus challenges them and says, I don't think you're really ready to follow me. And now they get in the boat. So think about this. So these are the men who are willing to follow, right? These are the ones who got in the boat. These are not the ones that said, well, you know, I've got things back home. There's stuff going on. I've got all these things. They get in the boat with him. And then what happens next is amazing, though. Verse 24, this great storm comes up over the sea that the boat is being swamped by the waves. I just want you to visualize this storm stirring up uh, on this lake, on this sea. And these are not inexperienced men. Some of these men are experienced fishermen. They've been on this sea all the time. They've spent their, probably their childhood there and their livelihood certainly there. Uh, it would not be like me on a boat where one little wave and it's like, oh no, we're all in trouble. Uh, they know what they're doing. And it's a pretty serious situation because verse 25, they wake Jesus up and say, we are perishing. So visualize, how bad does this have to look to say, we're going to die? How bad is this boat doing that they are getting to Jesus and saying, you have to save us. Otherwise, we're not making it. We're dead. Now, I think it's important to kind of get a little bit of a, a visualization about what's going on here. If you grew up in the pews, I don't know what boat you visualized. And if you did grow up on the fuse, I don't know what boat you visualized. But one of the really neat things that happened in the 80s is we actually found a standard 
fishing boat from the first century. And so that helps us get a very good feel uh, of what one of those boats looked like. One of the things that I want you to pay attention to as you look at that ship is you will notice on both ends, there's a little bit of a deck of sorts. You know, there's just a little bit where you could put stuff underneath it or have stuff on top. The reason why that is really important is sometimes the question really comes up, okay, well, how do you have Jesus asleep and water is flying over the boat and he's not getting drenched, right? So where is he on this thing? Is he on a lower deck? No, there's no lower decks on this thing. There's no, you know, go down stairs and he's hanging out down there. But to see this so that what you would get is more of a sense like this is that you would have him up tucked in the front of that while the boat in the middle is beginning to fill up with, with the water. And so the boat is sinking, but it's not like he's laying there in two feet of water and, you know, what are you doing? Why don't you get up? He's tucked up under those little edges. So that's the sense. And when you read the other accounts where we'll talk about him being tucked away or under, that, that, that's what you need to be visualizing is going on in, in this scene. So that's what's before us. You can imagine it now as the men are just watching all the water just flooding in. The waves are just crashing over the boat. Jesus is tucked up in there. He's asleep. And so we're drowning. You need to save us. Get up. Help us before we die as this boat goes down in the middle of the sea. And I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 26. Why are you afraid? <laughs> Why are you afraid? I, I think it is so interesting that Jesus does not wake up and go, wow, things got really crazy out here, out of control. I've, you know, I'm, I'm really nervous about what's happening. Look at all the water. What did you guys do? Or anything like that. You know, it is not this oh no moment for Jesus. We're drowning. Save us. And he goes, why are you afraid? Now, if I'm on the boat, here's what I'm answering back. Why am I afraid? Do you see all the water in the boat? Do you see the waves crashing over the boat? Do you see that we're rocking back and forth like crazy? Do you see that we can't bail this water out fast enough and we're going to die? Why are we afraid? I have every reason to be afraid. Look at us. We're doomed. Uh, that'd be my answer. I think it is interesting to see what's happening here in this moment. And I want you to think about what Jesus is doing is he has been testing from the beginning of chapter eight, who will follow. And I want you to see something that I think is really important about this is that just because you have gotten into the boat doesn't mean that following him is not going to be frightening. You notice that the testing didn't stop at the edge of the sea. Okay, we turned away these other people. They said they'll follow wherever you go. And they go, no, no, we're not going to. Okay, well, the ones in the boat, okay, we're good to go. And so they know they just sailed calmly across the sea and everybody was relaxed and everybody had a nice nap. It was very refreshing. Felt real good. Woke up on the other side. It was great. That's not what happened. I want you to see that even though they have made the commitment to follow Jesus and made a deeper commitment than those who refused to get in with him, who had said, I'll follow you wherever you go, but really we're unwilling. These men are in that boat and yet they're being tested again. 
Another test is before them. Now here they are in the middle of the sea. And a violent great storm rages. And Jesus now has a question. Why are you afraid? And I want you to hear something important is that here they are. And you would think that because they've passed these first few tests, they don't need any more tests, right? Smooth sailing the rest of the way following Jesus, right? No, there's still storms. There's still going to be difficulties. There's still going to be tests. There's still going to be challenges. And that is what is happening here at this moment is Jesus is testing. Because the first answer is not, wow, you know, I, I, I checked the radar before we left and I thought this was going to be all good. No, the, why are you afraid? What's going on right now? Why are you afraid? You're in the boat with me. Why are you afraid? And that's what he really presses in the rest of that when he, when he says, oh, you of little faith. Why are you afraid? And I want us to think about what that has to do with what's happening at the moment. Doesn't that seem like a strange thing to say to the disciples? It's one thing to say, why are you afraid? But the rest of it, where's your faith? Well, what is he putting his finger on? What is he trying to get at to say, what happened to your faith? Why are you afraid? Why do you have such little faith in me? Why aren't you trusting me in this moment? And I think the question before us is, is very simple is, Are you going to be willing to trust Jesus with your very life? How far will you trust him? How far will you go? And I want you to see these disciples have gone further than other disciples. But now that their lives are on the line, there's panic. And Jesus goes, wait a minute. Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. I hope that you would think about that it is in our most fearful circumstances that our faith can be challenged the greatest. That when life gets so hard that your faith gets to a breaking point and a huge question is truly put before us, will you still follow Jesus? Because you understand when things get hard, our greatest temptation is to back away from God. I got to figure things out. I'm going to figure out my life. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to work all this out. I'm going to follow what I think is best. And when I get it all sorted out and I get through the other side of my trial and I get through my hardship and I clear this storm, then I'll come back to you. And I think one thing that's great about at least the way it's recorded is they immediately go to Jesus. It doesn't say, and after they, you know, bailed for an hour, they kind of go, you know, I think we need Jesus around here. Now, they know that they need Jesus. But this is what the temptation is ultimately all about, is are you going to turn to your own wisdom in the time of difficulty or are you going to turn to God? When things get at their darkest moment, when things get their hardest, when the screws are really put to you in life, And you are afraid. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know how to go forward. What will you do? 
That's where these men are at. We're about to die. We're not going to make it another hour. We're going to die. And so faith is tested in those moments. And it really is so easy to listen to our own wisdom, follow our own desires, take on our own counsel, want to blaze our own trail, figure it out, and leave behind God. I'll put it a little bit of a different way, and that's this way. It's a lot easier to have faith in Jesus when you're not afraid of your future. Have you noticed that? When you're not worried about what's going on, oh yeah, faith, follow Jesus, yay. But when you don't know what tomorrow holds, when you are in the storm, when you are in the darkness, when you are in the suffering, when you are in that trial, and it is of the darkest of days, and you don't know which way's up and which way's down, And you don't know how you're going to make it to tomorrow. You don't know how you're surviving today. That's when faith is really tested. It is so much harder when we are suffering through the darkness and not understanding why life is doing to us what it's doing to us. If I'm on the boat, this scene does not make sense. Here we, Jesus says, push out, we're going to go to the other side. And now we're about to drown? (laughs) That's not what I had envisioned of how this was going to go. This trip was supposed to be easy. It wasn't supposed to be hard. It wasn't supposed to be challenging. And that's the way we approach life. It's going to be easy, right? We're following Jesus. It's going to be simple. There's not going to be any trouble. And I want you to see that that's exactly what Jesus is testing. That you can get on the boat with Jesus... And yet your faith will be tested to such a degree that you will be scared. And you won't know what to do. And I want to just underscore for us how that challenge can be for us. And ask the question, then, so how are you supposed to have the faith to carry through that fear? Because that's what's being put forward. Where's your faith? Why do you fear? What, what, why are you afraid? And I want you to notice what happens in verse 26. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. I just want you to visualize that. That looked like for a minute. All right. You got your boat full of water rocking back and forth, waves crashing in. And it says Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind. I want to know what those words were. Hey, winds, what do you think you're doing? (laughs) Hey, sea, calm down. (laughs) One account, peace be still, right? (laughs) Just, Just rebuke it. What do you think you're doing? And notice what it says in verse 26. And there was a great calm. Uh, Not all the translations carry this, but the word in verse 24 for great as great storm Follows is the same word in verse 26 for great calm. Same word right there. So you have this massive great disturbance that Jesus by his very words is able to just shut down. Great calm. People's response, listen to what they say in verse 27. 
What kind of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. He asks, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? And I want you to see what the answer is for getting through the storm and the hardship is knowing who you're following. That was what they were supposed to understand in this moment. Do you understand who you are following? This person can make the wind and the sea obey him with a word. I want you to go try that someday. You just, you know, go tell it to rain or go tell the waves to stop crashing. You know, a hurricane comes in. You just make a great calm. Tell it to stop. <laughs> it's just, it, it just staggering authority and staggering power to just rebuke it. And it stops. And that's the picture that is being given to us is that the faith to follow when we are afraid, when we are in those dark moments, is by understanding who we're following. He can even control the water. He can even control the winds. There is nothing outside of his authority. There is nothing where he stands up and goes, I don't know what to do about this. Uh, Boy, this is quite a storm. This storm is out of my pay grade and I can't handle that. He never is going to come across that. It doesn't matter how great the storm is. Jesus can make a great call. That's the picture that's being given to us. So often we are afraid in the storm and we're forgetting that Jesus has authority over the storm. We're forgetting who's in charge. We in those moments of trial and darkness, we revert to I'm in charge. I got to figure this out. And guess what? If it's left up to me, I am afraid. I don't know what I should do tomorrow. I don't know what the right decision is. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know which way to go. I don't know how to sort through all of this mess. But Jesus does. And that's what these disciples were supposed to know. Let me underline it. Following Jesus is going to be hard. There's no pretending with these disciples. Let's get on the ship and see how easy it is. No, right into a storm. Following Jesus is going to be hard. Following Jesus means you are going to go through great storms. Following Jesus means you are going to have life situations in which you are very afraid. You are going to have difficulties where you do not understand what is going on, why it's happening, or what God is doing, and why he's not doing something about it. I know you've been there. I've been there. I've been there a lot of times. I bet you've been there. What is going on? So how are you supposed to move in those moments? We continue to follow Jesus and we hold on to our faith because we know Jesus has control of the storm. He's in charge. He's not standing up and saying, let me help you bail water. He's standing up and saying, why are you afraid? I've got this. Why are you afraid? I'm in the boat with you. You're going to be all right. Have faith in me. Now you might think the other paragraph would have nothing to do with this paragraph. But it's going to present a staggering contrast. 
of faith. And then we'll put these two pictures together. Notice verse 28. When he came to the other side, I, I, you know, again, if you had an hour for me, I just want you to notice something. We extend a whole other sermon right there. They made it. You're going to make it. They made it. They made it to the other side. They didn't think they were going to make it, did they? They made it. When they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away to the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. And so they came out, went to the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down a steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. And the herdsmen fled. And going into the city, they told everything, especially what happened to the demon possessment. Stop right there. You would think that this setup is perfect. We have a situation here where these two demon-possessed men are so fierce, so powerful, you have everybody afraid of them. You'll notice it says there in verse 28, no one can go that way. This, this area of land is off limits. They're going to come and hurt you. So nobody goes around them. They're that strong. And these two come out and go, amazing confession, we know who you are. You're the son of God. <laughs> If you're going to cast us out, they know the power of Jesus. They already know what he can do. If you're going to cast us out, cast in the pigs. You notice what, what Jesus does? One word. Go. All this has happened. One word. It's all it takes. In each of these circumstances, it's been by the word. It's all that's taken. We can heal people from a distance at a word. We can calm storms at a word. We can cast out demons at a word. This is the power and the authority of the word of Jesus right here. Go. And these herdsmen who have watched this whole thing happen, they go into the city and tell them everything that happened. Not only all that had happened in that, it says at the end of verse 33, especially what happened to these demon-possessed men. You would think that we're going to have an entourage. This is going to be amazing. This whole city is going to follow Jesus, right? Verse 34. All the city came out to meet Jesus. You're like, all right. We've got disciples coming, right? They all came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave. You get whiplash from that answer? Wait, 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 wait a minute. What? You you told them? About the demon possession and casting up the up. He told them how he just said the word and went to the pit. Yeah. Have you thought about what's going on here? He frees the demon possessed men. He frees the area. He frees everybody from fear at this moment. But the whole town is begging him to leave. You ever ask yourself why? Why would this be their response? Why not them come to Jesus, bow down and say, you are the son of God. 
You're the one we should obey. You're the one we should follow. What happened right here? And I submit to you that the other picture that Matthew wants to paint for us is that following Jesus means we have to give up control. And here's, I think, ultimately the picture behind that. These two scenes do one of two things. Seeing the authority of Jesus is either going to give you the comfort to follow him or the fear to send him away. When you understand who Jesus is and his power, his authority, and what he expects, you can either derive great comfort from that. He's in charge of the storm. I am good with him. I have no reason to fear. I go into the darkness and I know I'm going to be fine. I can Psalm 23, even though I go through the valley of shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil. You're with me. You can have that. But you know what a common reaction is? Is this one right here. A fear that says, I don't want any part of that. Because what it means is you have to give up control. It means you have to give up your life. The thing about Jesus that sometimes we miss as we read the Gospels that I look forward to highlighting with you week after week is what Jesus does is he upsets people's lives. Nobody encounters him honestly and returns to what they were doing the day before. Mm -mm. He upsets lives. He throws things upside down. And friends, these people don't want that. They're content. They're happy. Just leave me alone and let me do what I want. I don't want to make changes. Don't challenge me with upheaving my life. I'm content with my life. Things are great right now. And this whole Jesus guy coming in here and casting out demons and our livelihood just went running off a cliff. And I don't want all that upheaval. I'm happy. I'm content. Life's fine. I think this is something really important for us to think about is so often what happens is we want to continue with our own plans, our own desires, our own way of life. We're going to continue with what we want to do. And we don't want to change that. Don't make me have to change. I don't want sacrifice. I don't want to do what Jesus says later, carry a cross and follow him. You've got to be kidding. That sounds hard. I don't want to do that. I want to just keep doing what I'm doing. Please leave. And the whole town comes to Jesus and says that. It's implied here. It'll be more directly stated by Jesus later on. But let me give you the implication right here. This is why people who are in storms want Jesus. Because you're ready for your life to get flipped upside down. That's okay. But when things are calm and you're content, I don't want him messing things up. So the people who are content right now, Jesus, you need to go away. People who are in hard times, hey, I could could use some upsetting. 
And that's why Jesus will talk about why the poor follow and not the rich, why the people and the hardships follow, but not the well off. He's, why is he always pointing that out? Because there's a truth that sits here. There has to be a willingness to allow Jesus to upset your life. And if we are comfortable and enjoying this world and enjoying our desires and following our own life plan and doing what we want to do, we don't want it upset. And that's where this town is at. This whole town says, you just messed everything up. And I don't want you messing up my life. And I think that's ultimately a big challenge that sits before us. Friends, you are either attracted to the authority of Jesus or you are disturbed and threatened by it. This power that he has over all creation, over all storms, over all of life, over all the earth and over your life is either one of the greatest comforts that you could ever embrace for whatever you go through or can be the most terrifying, disturbing idea you could ever confront. It's a decision of if you are with him or not with him. Because if you don't want your life changed, if you don't want it upset, if you just want to carry on your merry way, doing what you've always been doing and keeping your life trajectory, then Jesus is a threat to that. There is no following Jesus that does not upend that life trajectory. It's going to put you in storms. It's going to challenge faith. But that can be one of the greatest things. Friends, what Jesus is trying to show us is that we have every reason to trust him. We have every reason to follow his life directions, even when life gets hard, even when life is uncomfortable, when life is painful, when it's frightening, when it's suffering, when it is dark, when you don't know which way to go. Jesus is showing us that we have every reason to follow him. He has authority. He has control. He has it all. The big question is, do you want to hand your control over to him or not? Are you okay with saying, okay, I'm going to keep doing what he tells me to do, even if I don't like it, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't align to my own personal desires, when what he says doesn't align to my values, it doesn't align to where I want to go in life, it doesn't align with what I want to achieve. That's the question of control right there. Are you going to follow even if it breaks everything that you had planned in your life, everything you were taught in your life, and everything that you desired in your life? And it's very easy to say, no, go away. I'm perfectly happy navigating my own life and doing my own thing. And unfortunately, what we're missing is that Jesus has the word to heal your life. That's the front part of chapter 8. He's got the authority and the power and the desire to heal your life. He's got the power to calm the storm. He has the authority to take care of every aspect of our life if we would embrace that authority of Jesus in our life. Friends, that is what we have been called to do. It is the one thing that I want to leave you with this morning. 
is that we would embrace the knowledge that he is in control and that he does have authority in heaven and on earth, just like he said. So now will you trust him because he possesses that authority? Will you trust him? Will you give him your life? Will you say yes and follow even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's illogical, even when you don't like it, even when it doesn't hit your desires just right, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's frightening. That's what this whole scene has been about. Will you do it and not delay? Will you do it even when it's uncomfortable? Will you follow even when you're afraid? Will you stay with him through thick and thin no matter what? Because you know with him you're safe and with him you can get across to the other side to eternity. That's the only way. Don't jump out of the boat and try to swim yourself. Stay in the boat. Put your trust in Jesus. Follow him. No matter how hard. No matter how frightening. And friends, it will be hard. It will be frightening. But you have him with you. And he'll get you safely through. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, what a challenging scene that is before us. And Lord, I, I, I feel the words of the disciples. Lord, we, we, are, we are perishing. Lord, I pray that your response will strike our hearts. And help us to remember that we have no reason to fear when we're following you. Lord, help us to remember that you have authority over life. You have authority over creation. You have authority over heaven and earth. You have authority over the storms. You have authority over every trial. And you have said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, we look to you. As we encounter our times of pain and trial and hardship and darkness, Lord, we go through it and it is tough. Lord, help us to know that you are right there with us. Help us to see that you are there in the boat with us. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our hearts to turn our control of our lives over to you. Lord, help us to see that we ultimately don't have charge as much as we like to think but that you are over it all and we can safely entrust our lives to you. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for as often as we forget that you are in control and try to steer things with our own knowledge and wisdom, follow our own desires and follow our own paths. Forgive us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that whatever struggle everyone here in this room may be going through, that you'd give them comfort in their heart right now to know that you are with them and you will bring them to the other side if, they'll st- if, you'll stay, if we will stay with you. And Lord, I pray that for future storms, that we would be ready to turn to you and trust you with all of our heart. Lord, we thank you for the comfort that you provide, the power you show, and the authority you have over all things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Lord, if we, can, if we can help you all in any way come to the Lord, that is our greatest desire, our greatest hope.
So we want to help you come to him. Our Lord is desiring for you to come to him, to see his authority, to see his power, to see what he has for you. Would you give him your life today? Would you turn control over to him and follow his word, follow his teaching, follow his ways? Let him bring you safely into eternity. That's why he came. That's what he wants to do. He can calm your great storm and he can heal your life if you'll give your life to him. We can help you in any way to do that. To turn away from sin. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. To follow him faithfully. Let me know afterward. Let someone know after you afterward. Or you can come forward right now while we stand and while we sing.